Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Again, we are back. I am back from maternity leave. It is so nice to be with you guys. Again, thank you so much for listening to yesterday's episode. We are going all in this week. Yesterday, uh, we tackled anti-Americanism and why it's not just illogical and ahistorical, but it's also immoral. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and do that. Thank you all so much for your positive feedback on that episode. Today, we are going going to talk about um, some news that we have seen in the LGBTQ plus 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 realm. This comes on the heels of Pride Month. We're going to look at some of the disturbing content and ideas that we have seen promoted, that we saw promoted in June, that we're seeing promoted now. And these aren't just isolated things. The reason that we're talking about any of these uh, videos or posts or articles or statements that we'll be talking about is because they show something that I'm always trying to drive home, that progressivism is never, and I mean never, content to just live and let live. That doesn't mean, and you'll hear me say this a lot in this episode, and I do want to make this distinction. This does not mean that all progressives feel that way, but progressivism as an ideology is imperialistic, which is ironic because progressives say they hate colonialism and imperialism, and yet they are determined to impose their views on every part of this country and abroad, conquering institutions, and minds of the people inside those institutions, progressivism is never satisfied with a little, never satiated with compromise. It wants everything. It wants not just your acquiescence or even just your agreement. Progressivism wants your full acceptance, your full celebration. It wants you to fall in line completely. Progressivism is on the march. It is in your schools. It is in your churches. It is in your city council. And it wants everything. And you, my friend, are the only obstacle standing in its way. Let me give you just one example. I want to talk about at the top of this episode, what was probably the most shocking headline I've ever seen, and that's really saying something considering that our media are often dedicated to sensationalism. And maybe it wouldn't have shocked me quite as much if it were just, you know, a a blog post or a random tweet. But this article was in the op-ed section of the Washington Post, which is one of the most influential newspapers in the world. The title is this, Yes, Kink Belongs at Pride, and I Want My Kids to See It. Now, if you are a sweet summer child, like I was before reading this article and you didn't know there was something called kink at Pride, I will fill you in. And by the way, let me pause for just a second and say, this is not an episode to listen to with your children. This is, I mean, this has got some disturbing content, unfortunately, in it as we're talking about some of these stories. So I just wanted to give you that content warning if you hadn't already realized that so far. So anyway, apparently Pride Parade's aren't just people in rainbow clothes celebrating the ability to be legally married to a person of the same sex. Apparently, there is also an aspect of kinkiness. Apparently, this is like debated uh, on on Twitter between, you know, people who go to Pride, whether or not there should be so-called kink at Pride. And I guess this is where people dress up and act out kinky acts. Um, So here's how this author in the Washington Post and mother described it, quote, 
When our children grew tired of marching, they were at the Pride Parade, we plopped onto a nearby curb. Just as we got settled, our elementary schooler pointed in the direction of oncoming floats, raising an eyebrow at a bare-chested man in dark sunglasses whose black suspenders clipped onto a leather thong. The man paused to be spanked playfully by a partner with a flog. What are they doing, my curious kid asked as our toddler cheered them on. The pair was the first of a few dozen kinksters who danced down the street, laughing together as they twirled their whips and batons, some leading companions by leashes. At the time, my children were too young to understand the nuance of the situation, but I told them the truth, that these folks were members of our community celebrating who they are and what they like to do. Okay, let me give you a little context. I understand you're very disturbed, as you should be. I am very disturbed as well, even a week later after reading it for the first time. Uh, Let me give you a little context about who the writer of this article is. Her name is uh, Lauren Roello. She is a former so-called sex worker. According to her bio, her spouse identifies as a trans woman, a man who identifies as a woman, and they've got two kids together. Apparently, the author goes on to make the argument in this article uh, in the pages of the Washington Post, mind you, that showing kids this kind of thing is actually beneficial to them and that it would actually do more harm than good, she says, to shield them from it. That's an astounding statement, an astounding statement. She doesn't actually explain why it would be harmful to protect kids from seeing adults in leather thongs whipping each other in public, but apparently she is very very passionate about this subject. She says this, quote, I want them to see what that they can make their own ways in the world and know that they'll be supported and celebrated by their community. If we want our children to learn and grow from their experiences at Pride, we should hope that they'll encounter kink when they attend. How else can they learn about the scope and vitality of queer life? She goes on to say that We can't confuse these kinksters, that's what she calls them, kinkster self-expression with obscenity, except... Yes, we we absolutely can, because forcing your child who can't consent by nature of being a child to watch what basically amounts to soft, sadistic porn between two men is obscene. Like, if that is self-expression, then anything is self-expression. If that isn't obscenity, then nothing is obscenity. And I think, honestly, I think that is The point. The point is to subvert any understanding of normalcy or morality to become comfortable with with the grotesque so that we no longer have a proper sense of right and wrong or even innocence. The point, I think, is to make society, and this is so disturbing, to make society comfortable with placing children in sexual situations. Progressivism already asserts that toddlers have the ability to identify as a gender that contradicts their sex. So, of course, it's going to all also assert eventually it's going to be mainstream i'm sure that children also have the ability to make decisions involving sexuality as well what this mother did is in my opinion abusive it is definitely coercive and creepy because remember Again, kids cannot consent. They can't consent to sex. They can't consent to watching sex or something sexual or even hearing about it. When children are exposed to sex and sexual subjects too early, it is traumatizing to them. It puts their mind in a place where it's not yet supposed to be. It causes confusion and discomfort. It can have lifelong traumatic effects, making them more likely to be both victims and perpetrators of sexual abuse. 
that is a, a lot of, unfortunately, the comprehensive sex education that is being pushed into public schools. That's why it is so harmful in some cases. As I've heard Thomas Sowell say, it doesn't actually take 13 years to teach kids about how sex works, but it may take 13 years to indoctrinate kids with a particular kind of sexual ethic. And that is exactly what seems to be going on. And we're going to get more into that in just one second. I've got to pause to tell you guys about one of my favorite sponsors that I've talked about many times, and that is Annie's Kit Clubs. So I've told you about their uh, their their clubs, their kit clubs for kids, the crafts that they send every month, but they also have Annie's Creative Woman Club, which makes it easy for you uh, to craft beautiful projects by sending all the instructions and special supplies that you need to make a picture-perfect project. Try your hand at crafts like painting, needlecraft, beading, candle, and soap making, a whole lot more. Whether you like the latest techniques or classic favorites, Creative Woman Club has the variety to keep your crafting feeling fresh and engaging. You don't have to go to the store to hunt for supplies or to find new crafting projects on Pinterest or wherever it is. Annie's Woman Club makes it very easy. Go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Save 50% on your first kit. No matter your crafting crafting experience, you can make a picture-perfect project that you will be proud to display. Save 50% on your first kit today by going to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. So speaking of comprehensive sex education, there was a mother in Bloomington, Illinois. She spoke in front of her kid's school board in protest of the new sexual education standards for the district. She actually read from the controversial book that is being used by the school as their guide that's called It's Perfectly Normal, Changing Bodies, Growing Up, Sex, and Sexual Health. She was actually cut off as she was reading out of this book that is being used as a guide for these kids. She was cut off repeatedly by the board. Uh, The book reportedly explains gender identity as independent from sex, which we've talked about many times on this podcast, is not real. It's not a scientific fact. It is a theory that was started in the 1960s by Dr. John Money, who ended up being an abusive uh, pervert. And so we've we've talked about the origins of that before. Go listen to Biblical Telos of Gender. We'll link that episode in the description if you want to know more about it. But they're pushing that idea on kindergartners, kindergarten through second grade. They're learning that uh, sex and gender are two independent things. And gender is something that you feel and can choose that may contradict your sex. They're talking apparently in this book about masturbation and hormone blockers to third through fifth graders. They're talking about oral and anal sex to sixth through eighth graders uh, in this curriculum. And look, I understand that some kids don't have parents to talk to about this kind of stuff. And maybe some children are wondering about these subjects and they need to be taught about them in a controlled setting in a healthy way. And maybe some of the material in these courses is actually helpful. But it will also, without a doubt, introduce a lot of kids to subjects that many of them are not wondering about because they don't even have the imagination to think about them yet. They don't need to know about them, and they'll hear about them from teachers who ultimately, even if they are great, wonderful teachers, have no personal relationship with them or a vested interest in their long-term well-being the way that a loving parent does. This false narrative is that everyone who is against showing their kids kink at pride or confusing kindergartners about gender or allowing their third grade daughter to learn about masturbation from her male teacher is a prude and, and is sexually regressive or 
sexually repressive or regressive. There are adults who feel that they were scarred by the purity culture that they grew up in. And so now they feel like they have to swing in the opposite direction to the opposite end of the spectrum. But while I think that we can talk to our kids about the body and sex maybe better than previous generations did and maybe more candidly, that is a wrong and dangerous mentality to go to the other extreme. First of all, it is the parent's job, not the schools or the states, to educate their kids about sex and sexually sensitive topics. Uh, The state does not love your kids. The state doesn't know your kids. The state does not and will never have the best interest of your child at heart. The state has an ideology. It has an agenda. They've got boxes to check and a vision to fulfill, and your kid is just a way for them to do that. So stop giving the benefit of the doubt to the government and government schools or even the private schools that are pushing the same kind of stuff. Second, not wanting your children to learn about anal sex in sixth grade doesn't mean that you're teaching your kids to be ashamed of themselves or sex in general. My gosh. I mean, parents can absolutely teach their children when and how they want to according to their individual child's maturity level and readiness that sex is a good thing in the proper context. Parents, and and Christian parents in particular, God has given you your children to steward for their good and his glory. He has equipped you to help shape their minds and hearts, including when it comes to the topic of sex. The state neither has the proper equipment nor the responsibility to do that. It was you that grew that baby for nine months or sacrificed so much to adopt him. It's you that wakes up in the middle of the night to rock her back to sleep. It's you that he runs to when he falls down and gets hurt. It's you that she looks to to answer the big and small questions about life, not the state, not the school, not even the probably very wonderful teachers that your child has. You have every right, every reason, and the pressing responsibility to protect your kids from an ideological agenda that aims to bend your child's mind and morality toward confusion, chaos, and possible psychological trauma. We've got to get out of this it's probably fine mentality, especially when it comes to our kids. You know my take about public schools in general. I think that you should pull your kids out of them. And that's not because I think all public schools are bad. And I certainly know that there are many amazing public school teachers that in a lot of cases are the only lifeline some desperate children have or the only light of Christ that some kids ever see. And I'm so thankful for them. Uh, It is also not because I think all private schools are great, but public schools are government schools. And like I said, the government is characterized by a progressive ideology that will eventually make its way into the classroom of your kid's school, even in rural Alabama, if it hasn't already. And government-run schools have no real incentive to listen to parents because they're going to get their funding anyway. Private schools even though they can be just as left-wing and just as indoctrinating, at least can be swayed, may be swayed by parents threatening to take their money elsewhere. And Christian private schools can, though it's of course not guaranteed, be, be corrected by parents coming together in good faith with biblical explanations for why a particular curriculum is harmful. But beyond that, you want your kids to have a biblical worldview, correct? If you're a Christian, not just when it comes to sex and sexuality, but when it comes to race, when it comes to justice, morality, everything. They're not going to get that uh, at any school, public or private, that is not dedicated to it. 
The best you can hope in that kind of situation is that their teacher is maybe a closet Christian that won't actively indoctrinate them with progressive secularism and that they'll actually learn math rather than woke math, which basically says that two and two equal white supremacy. That means for eight hours of the day, they would be getting a worldview that contradicts the worldview that you would like them to have. And before anyone gets uptight about that, Every parent indoctrinates their kids with a particular worldview. Every single parent, whether you're progressive, secular, Muslim, conservative, whatever, every parent teaches their kids according to their own worldview. Even the parent who says, oh, figure it out on your own, man. Like, you know, nothing is true except for whatever you think is true. That is in itself a worldview with a set of beliefs about human nature, where truth comes from and how to determine morality. Everyone has a worldview, including people in education. You don't want to compete with your child's school for their worldview. And you don't have to put your child on the front lines of apologetics when they're eight years old, when they're not even big enough to carry a proverbial shield. Now, that said, I understand. Not everyone can financially or for other important reasons make the decision to leave your public school. Unfortunately, private schools don't always have, for example, the special needs services for kids, uh, which is really a shame. And and maybe for some reason you can't homeschool. Um, It is all the more important for you then to take seriously teaching your kids biblically about sex, about gender, about morality, about creation, human nature, etc. Even if your child isn't in public school, you still have the right to stand up to the school board about certain curriculum because you're a taxpayer and you have an interest in what the community you're a part of is teaching children. Don't you think, for example, if a school decided to present, for example, Nazi propaganda, to students as a set of good values, everyone in the community would be obligated to show up and protest that kind of curriculum? Yes, of course. You have a right to be like this mother that we just talked about in Illinois and to say something about the sex ed curriculum that is unfortunately more akin to grooming than to healthy education. This insistence upon indoctrinating kids with confusing, with immoral views of sex and sexuality flows from postmodernism, which puts the self at the center to determine everything that is true or true or false or right or wrong, which itself flows from godlessness. It's actually a product of a godless postmodern progressive theory called gender theory, which is another critical theory, like critical race theory, that holds, among other things, that children are already indoctrinated from an early age with cis-heteronormativity, a system that asserts that that normal is to identify with your biological sex and be attracted to the opposite sex, and thus must be offered a counter-queer narrative to liberate them from the white male capitalist cisgendered heterosexual patriarchy. That's what this all is coming from. And just as a side note, I do wonder if the same professing conservative evangelical Christians who say that there are redeeming attributes to critical race theory that we should listen to would say the same of gender theory comes from the same exact place. I don't know. Just interesting to wonder. Okay, we're going to get into more of this, but I've got to tell you about my next sponsor, which is Gabby. So there are hundreds of companies out there that claim to compare auto and home insurance, but there's only one company that actually does it. You can get a better insurance with Gabby. That's G-A-B-I. Gabby is the one true comparison platform with fast, verifiable quotes, not ballpark guesses. 
All you have to do is go to gabby.com slash relatable. When you do, you enter in your current policy and it compares your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive, Nationwide, Travelers. It's all in one place. It's totally free. Gabby customers save $961 per year on average. They will not sell your info. They care about your privacy. They're not going to spam you. There really is nothing to lose with using this service there's a really good chance that you could save money on a better insurance policy. So go to gabby.com slash relatable. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash relatable. Gabby.com slash relatable. Now, I would like to think that the people pushing this stuff that we are talking about, the woman who wrote the op-ed piece, uh, the people who are are so bent on introducing sexually mature and confusing concepts to young children that there's just something mentally off there, that there are some mental problems there. And, and maybe there are, but I noticed that I actually do that internally a lot, that I try to that I try to make that kind of judgment or excuse when it comes to people perpetrating such obvious evil like this, that I say, okay, they must have some kind of mental issue or something like that. And I think that's actually a way to curb my horror a little bit to try to comfort myself into thinking that surely people can't just be this bad. But the truth is, People don't have to have some kind of mental imbalance to write things like this and to parent this way. People are depraved. Without Christ, we are all equally dead in our sin. Now, that doesn't mean that all non-Christians think this way at all, because depravity doesn't mean that we're all as bad as we could be, but it means that we are all helpless to save ourselves and that we all have the capacity without Christ to be even more evil than our minds can fathom. As Charles Spurgeon says, you cannot slander human nature. It's worse than words can paint it. And it means that this world needs Christ. Too many Christians, at at least for the past few decades, have bought the lie that it's bigoted or pushy or wrong to do anything except for sit on the sidelines. We have said that the culture wars are beneath us, politics are too dark for us, that The world is just going to go the way that it's going to go, so there's really no use in saying or doing anything about it. Or worse yet, there are now professing Christians who approve of it or at least think it's not so bad. They always think that Christian conservatives are overreacting. Uh, The people who claim to be progressive or moderate Christians always claim uh, that it's conservative Christians who are using this kind of slippery slope fallacy, and they're always embarrassed that other Christians aren't as secular, aren't as down with secular culture as they are. It's really quite amazing. They think that Drag Queen Story Hour— in which a man puts on fake boobs and draws on fake cleavage and wears a miniskirt to play a bizarre caricature of a woman, uh, reads stories to young children. They think that that's just a blessing of liberty and a way of inclusion or that Nickelodeon and Blue's Clues putting out videos with drag queens talking about pansexuality and transgenderism is perfectly normal. And if you don't know what I'm talking about or you think that I'm making that up, I'm going to Uh, play one clip from Blue's Clues, one clip from Nickelodeon back-to-back, and you can listen to or watch them for yourself. Trans members of this family all love each other so proudly, and they all go marching in the big parade. Maybe blue, pink, and white represent 
that transgender people Because every letter in LGBTQ plus is equal And black and brown represent the queer and trans people of color Okay, so that was on a kid's show And it was also on a kid's network and if you're watching this, you'll also notice that in both of those, on, in both of those very disturbing videos, there was a communist fist. Okay. So in case you just thought that, oh, you know, this is just about love is love. This is just about people being themselves. This is a political ideological movement that apparently is one and the same with communism. I mean, really quite astounding that more people don't have a problem with this and that there are people who profess to be Christians that think that other Christians are just making too big of a deal with this. It's not normal. Don't you see that progressivism, like we said, especially the sexual progressivism that we see is on the march that it was never going to be content with live and let live. It was never going to be content with equal rights. Now, again, I say it because I'm talking about the ideology, which is not necessarily representative of all people who call themselves progressives. And it's certainly not representative of all people who identify as gay or transgender. But it is representative of the left-wing activist donor class who has a lot of control over education, over media, and over policy. And speaking of policy, I want to talk about a piece of very controversial proposed legislation in Canada that um, is supposed to ban conversion therapy, which um, is it's a bill that's being celebrated by a lot of LGBTQ activists. And it probably sounds good to you, too. I mean, when we think of conversion therapy, we think of shock therapy or some kind of physical torture or psychological torture. But that's not what this bill bans. If that's all it did, then I would be all for it. I think that that is barbaric and wrong to treat anyone that way for any reason. But it goes far beyond that. Because those kinds of therapy hardly even exist today. This bill prohibits the speech of pastors and Christian counselors or counselors or, psycho or psychologists uh, of any background who want to give help to people who are voluntarily seeking it. So if someone who is struggling with, say, gender dysphoria um, and they, they want help from a Christian counselor or even just a secular psychologist uh, to help them be more comfortable in their own body, they will not be able to get it if this bill passes. Or, and I know that this is scandalous to say, but there are people who have feelings of same-sex attraction, Christians who have feelings of same-sex attraction, who don't want to live that out in their lives, that actually need help with that. And they won't be able to get the help that they are voluntarily seeking. There was a similar bill uh, in Australia, I can't remember if it passed, any Australian listeners can tell me, that even restricted the personal conversations and out loud prayers of parents and pastors of people who are struggling in these areas. I promise you that if this bill passes, this will lead to more suicides, more depression, more anxiety, more despair, not less. Right now, the bill is actually in limbo after getting so much pushback, which tells you that it really has to be a radical bill because Canada is extremely liberal. This is what progressivism does. This is its nature. It is conquering. It is coercive. It is not enough to say, okay, people who want to transition can. People who want to live gay lives can. Progressivism says you can't even talk about or pray about the possibility of a person not aligning themselves with all of their sexual and dysphoric feelings. There was actually a 60 minute special 
a couple months ago, some of you probably saw it, that featured young people who had detransitioned. So they got surgery to appear like the opposite sex, then they regretted it, then they stopped the hormone therapy because they regretted it, and they uh, started presenting themselves again as their own sex. And these young people, many of them, Uh, in their early 20s, who transitioned as teens, uh, talked about the lack of pushback they received when they said that they decided to, quote, become the other gender. No pushback from psychologists or doctors or surgeons or even parents. These young people, most of them a long way from having their frontal lobe uh, developed when they made these decisions, got double mastectomies, breast implants, hormone therapy that completely changed their bodies. And then they realized later they'd made a horrible mistake that they uh, they really had been dealing with other kinds of trauma and mental disturbance that was never properly dealt with. Some of them talked about being encouraged by people online to be trans or it was suggested to them by someone online and it made them think that they were. One young man in the 60 Minute Special actually said that after he got his breast implants, he wanted so badly to commit suicide because he was so miserable. I thank the Lord that he didn't. That, of course, is the reason why the suicide rate among transitioned people is so much higher than the rest of the population. It has nothing to do with society not accepting them because we see this worldwide, even in countries that are even more progressive than the United States. It has to do with mental health issues that are not being properly dealt with uh, by psychologists and by doctors because of politics. It is hateful. It is hateful for us as a society, especially as a church, to tolerate that kind of mistreatment of young people. It is not love. It is hate. Love is wanting the best for people. This is ruining people. But the activist class of the LGBTQ world does not want to acknowledge detransitioners because they think that delegitimizes them. And I've got a a good example of an LGBTQ activist group showing their disdain for detransitioners in just one second. First, I've got to tell you about Good Ranchers. So you might not know that more than 80% of the grass-fed beef sold in the United States is imported from Overseas. I didn't know that before I talked to my friends at Good Ranchers. It's important to me to support American farmers as much as I can. And that's why my husband and I get all of our meat from Good Ranchers. Their product is 100% American. And they also make sure that all of their American craft beef and better than organic chicken is high quality. It's shipped right to your door, individually packaged on dry ice. It makes your life a lot easier. You get it, you open it, it's ready to grill as soon as you get it. And they have really good deals that make it super affordable. You can check out the Family Feast bundle, which includes steak and chicken. If you subscribe, you will get $20 off and free express shipping. So you get steakhouse quality for less than $5 a meal. You can also get a one-time box if you want to try it out. But to save money, I think it's best to subscribe. So go to GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. Get $20 off and free express shipping. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Allie to get $20 off and free express shipping. That is GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. Okay, I'm going to show you an example of GLAD. This is, you know, the preeminent um, uh, LGBTQ uh, advocacy organization. They tweeted out uh, last week, it's time for our Friday night chat. Let's talk wins. What's been a win for you this week, big or small? Tweet us and let us know. Love and celebrate each other. 
Um, someone named Carol responded, working through a lot of trauma I have from transitioning. Feel like I made some gains this week. And Glad responded saying, sending love, heart emoji. And then someone responded to that tweet uh, by Glad and said, thank you for recognizing detransitioned people and their struggles. After they received that reply, Glad deleted their tweet saying, sending love. So this person named Carol, who said that they are experiencing trauma from transitioning, actually detransitioned from being transgender, still apparently, according to her Twitter bio, um, identifies as um, a lesbian. So still a part of what they would call the gay community. And she posted one of her wins like Glad asked them to. Glad said that they supported her. And then when they found out that she detransitioned, they deleted their tweet uh, saying sending love. So what, you no longer are sending love to people who still identify as gay but are no longer transgender? What? It's all about power. It's all about ideology. It's not about love and acceptance. Don't buy the lie that this is a movement about love and acceptance of everyone, no matter their choices. It is uh, about acceptance of some people who make some choices. It is a subversion of the traditional moral order and detransitioners and anyone who doesn't fall in line gets in the way of that. That was also demonstrated um, in L.A. last week. This is a horrifying story. When a woman on Twitter went viral after posting a video of her confronting the staff at a place called We Spa, uh, uh, confronted the staff about a man in the locker room who uh, allegedly exposed himself to her and the little girls in the room, uh, but he couldn't be kicked out because he apparently identified as a woman. Now, I didn't post about this originally because I didn't tweet about it or retweet it or anything because there was no way for me to verify if it's true. And there still isn't. But the reason why I'm talking about it now, um, the story is really about what happened after a group of people came to peacefully protest in front of the spa with signs that said things like, protect women and girls. And then a group of violent left-wing protesters came and assaulted and harassed these people, calling them transphobes. Um, I'll show you a, a little clip of that now. Now, I am old enough to remember when a man flashing his genitalia at a woman made him a pervert and a criminal and a man doing it in front of kids made him a pedophile. But now that's enough to get you rallied support from left wing activists. And again, whether or not this actually happened is irrelevant because there are people who think that it happened or suppose that it happened and are defending this person. There was also a review from a couple years ago um, online from someone who went to this spa and said that she had a very similar experience. She even said, look, I support trans people, but there was a literal man in the women's locker room who said that he identified as a woman, but who is uh, was asking another woman for sex. I mean, uh, come on, guys. Come on. If you know anything about dysphoria, there are people who really struggle with gender dysphoria. They really struggle with discomfort in their bodies. You know that they are not brazenly walking around 
naked in the locker room of an of the opposite sex. That's just not how the disorder works. If you actually talk to people with dysphoria, that is not the attitude and the behavior that they demonstrate. Unfortunately, there are perverted men who are going to exploit this movement in order to harass and assault women and girls. Abigail Schreier, uh, she wrote Irreversible Damage. We've had her on this podcast. She talks a lot about this subject. She wrote a piece a few weeks ago for the Wall Street Journal about policies in California that make it legal for a man who identifies as a woman um, in, in prison to be in women's prisons. And these are not men who have gotten surgery and look like women in a lot of cases. They are big, strong men with male genitalia who are placed in cells with vulnerable women. Many of these men, it is reported, have been convicted of sexual assault. Many of these women are victims of sexual assault, and some have reported uh, being assaulted by these fellow inmates who identify as women. And then, of course, you have an Olympic weightlifter named uh, Laurel Hubbard, uh, Hubbard, who lived as a man for 35 years before transitioning and is now competing against women. I mean, sadly, this is what we get. What we see is that the sexual revolution, like all progressive revolutions, will harm the most vulnerable, in this case, women and children. In the same way that progressive economic revolutions always end up actually harming the poor, the very people they always claim to want to help. Again, I want to make clear that that this radicalism doesn't represent all or most people who identify as gay or lesbian or even transgender. That does not represent all people who identify as progressives. But the revolutionaries at the top are waging a war against reality that ironically firmly establishes the so-called patriarchy and subjugates women and children to the whims of males who want to enter women's and girls' spaces. I don't understand how some people don't see that. You have got to, Christian especially, you've got to stand firm on this stuff. You've got to get your head, uh, get out of your head that neutrality exists anywhere. It doesn't. Not in school, not in church, sadly, uh, not not at work either. You've got to be willing to represent your views with boldness and kindness without embarrassment or shame. When people say that you can't bring religion into this, you can't bring religion into politics, what they mean is your religion. Progressivism has its own religious dogmas, and it just doesn't want to tolerate yours. But that's too bad. You have to be courageous enough to speak that which is good and right and true, and courage begets courage. Look at the videos of all of these parents standing up to the school boards. Take some of their courage and do that in your own life, in your own spheres. It can be effective. That bill in Canada, the reason why it's in limbo, like we said, is because people spoke out about it. Curriculum can change. Policies can change. Minds can change. Cultures can change. And even if they don't, even if we continue down this slippery slope, which is a reality, not a fallacy, by the way. I am encouraged that we are being forced as Christians to think through very fundamental questions about our faith, about our existence, about human nature, right and wrong, epistemology, science, questions that our parents and grandparents didn't have to think through. We have to think through them. We are being asked to teach our kids things that our parents didn't have to teach us, which requires us to know our stuff. It requires us to know God's word, to ask tough questions, to ask him desperately for wisdom, which he promises to give, by the way, to get involved in our schools and our districts and our local politics, to try to infuse wisdom and light into the spheres we enter in a way that past generations in the U.S. didn't necessarily feel the need to. 
There will be no more sideline on the fence cultural Christians. You're either in or you're out. And I think that's a good thing. As hard as it is, I think that's a good thing. The church has the opportunity, the amazing opportunity to be a beacon of truth, of clarity, a a refuge in the storm, a place where the confused and the hurt can run to for peace, for answers, for purpose, for belonging. Let's strive to be that. We have the blessed privilege of providing answers to life's questions with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word. Let's be so clear, so bold, so truly loving that when this moral revolution chews people up and spits them out, they come running to the church. Um, Like I said, if you need a biblical perspective um, and biblical arguments to counter a lot of this madness that we talked about today, I encourage you to read Love Thy Body by Nancy Piercy. Listen to a biblical telos of gender. I will link the episode in the description to this podcast. If you go to my website, alibethsucky.com slash podcast, you will see all the categories of all the podcasts that we have. Over 400 podcasts. We've got um, a category for gender and sexuality that you can dig into and you can listen to all the podcasts that we've done on this subject. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back here tomorrow.